This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Okay, this week is Pasha's Chayetzorah. In fact, this Shabbos in Eretz Yisrael, um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people going to be at the Maharas HaMachpelah that was um, bought in Pasha's Chayetzorah. Very beautiful Vatara. I'm going to open it with a very beautiful Vatara. This does have, hold on, two really sharp, short little daughters. One is like this. The Gemara. The Gemara says that when a man is, is Mekadish a woman, when he marries a woman, so it's a Kenyan. You you have to give a you have to give a shovel pruta the ring. Whoever's not married, Mr. you'll hear it, you know, they ask him, is it worth a pruta? And then the, the husband sort of buys the wife. Um, and it's called a Kenyan. We make a Kenyan on the wife. So, the Gemara in Kedushan, I'm going to get into the Gemara. It says that, that just like it says, the Lokach Isha, right? That you, the word Lokach. So how do you, how do you know, how do you know that when you marry, you have to sort of buy her, you have to, you have to make a Kenyan? So we learn it from Sidei Ephron. We learn it from the field of of Ephra. Just like Avram Avinu, it says, Right? So we learn from the field of Ephron the same thing that when you get married, Kicha, Kicha, the Lashon of the Gemara is Kicha, Kicha, Mistei Ephron. We learn king and boy from the, from the field of Ephron. So they ask a question, why would marriage, right? Why would you, if you're going to learn buying a Kenyan, that, that's marriage, there's many Kenyanim in the Torah of things being bought. Why would you learn it from such a Russia Ephron? Ephron was a Russia. Why would you learn Kedushin, getting married to a woman, right, from a Russia like Ephron? The answer is very beautiful. And the answer is, this is the only deal in the Torah where both people involved in the deal thought that they did unbelievably great. Ephron thought... 400 shekel that can be used anywhere is a crazy amount of money for a cave. So he didn't know about Adam and Chava. He didn't know Ganeidan. He didn't know the whole thing. So he was like, I'm ripping off this, this Jew. 400. So he walked away. Oh my goodness, what a deal I just made. I got all this money. Wow. Abraham Avinu knew that Adam and Chava were buried there. He knew this would be the place where Tchis HaMesim was going to start. He knew that this Ma'arsach Machpel was worth billions. So when he just paid 400 shekel for it, he walked away from the deal saying, Oh my goodness, I just got the most amazing deal. So the Gemara says, what better place to learn marriage when both the girl and the boy, each one think that they just got the most amazing person, the most amazing deal. And that's why we learn specifically from the Sidei Ephraim. And a person has to feel that way. It's very important. Each one has to feel like, wow, I can't believe that I got such a fantastic shidduch. But if a person thinks, I can't believe that he got such a fantastic shidduch, he got me, and he's like, I can't believe she got such an unbelievable shidduch. He got me, and that does not work. So here, this is a case where both people in the buyer and the seller walked away thinking... But they got an amazing deal. That's one nice shot. Another 
fantastic. I don't know who says this, but someone just told this to me today. It's either like it must be like uh, it's either a Vilna Gaon or very Chesidish. It's either one or the other because it's but it's 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 very very interesting. So Rashi says we all know the the first Rashi right. The Rashi says that Chaya Shana was she, her life was Maya Shana a hundred years, the Esrim Shana and twenty years, the Sheva Shana and seven years. So Rashi's bothering Rashi. Why doesn't it just say that she lived one hundred and twenty seven years? Well, one hundred years and twenty years and seven years. If you want to tell somebody that someone's thirty six years old, you don't say he's thirty and he's six. He said he's 36. So why here are you saying he's 127? So Rachi says like this. Shekol echad nevishlaat my baschof kibasches kibaschof lechet. When she was 100 years old, she had the same amount of sins as she had when she was 20. And being that a person until they're 20 is not din in shemayim, so she didn't have any sins. Ma baschof lechata shari eno bas oenchen af baschof lechet. And her beauty, when she was 20, her beauty was like she was 7. So, somebody said, so it says that when she was 100, right, she was like when she was 20. That was her godless. So somebody said that Rashi is talking about Tehillim. And the capital cook, Rashi says when she was 100, right? Kapitel Kuf, if you look in your Tehillim, is called Mizma Lasaida. It's the Mizma of thanks. Even though it's Hashem Basimcha. This is the Mizma that we say thanks to Hashem instead of a carbon taida. It's a very, very happy Kapitel Tehillim Kuf. Chaf is the opposite. Chaf is Lamatseach Mizma Ladavid Yancha Hashem Biyayim Tsara. Chaf is all about pain. Chaf is all about when Kleistrol is going through very hard times. So whoever said this shot, I don't know who said it, said that Rashi is saying that when she was, there was no difference by by Sarah between when she was 100, when she already had Yitzchak, right? And when she was 20, right? When she was going through all her time, that, that there was no difference. Kapitel Chaf, Yan Hashem Yom Sarah, by her there was no difference between that capital. And Kapitel Kof with Mizmul Asayda. By her, she, her, her relationship with Akash Baruch Hu, it didn't make a difference if she was going through pain, going through hard times, and going through good times. So, first of all, I had a very interesting day yesterday. Um, I went up Bear Mountains, climbed Bear Mountains. Rakhshim, I've been doing it every single year. It's getting harder every single year. And I took my, my, my high school girls up Bear Mountains yesterday. It was a, Beautiful day, and if you go up to the mountains now, the, all the leaves are all changing different colors, so they have a lot of, a lot of Chinese, a lot of people going there that are taking photography, because if you go up to Bear Mountains, you have these beautiful woods and mountains, and it's, it's, it's nifla, it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely amazing, and, and mm. it's unbelievable when you leave the city, you leave all the noise, how to connect to Akash Baruch Hu. So at the end of the, at the end of climbing this mountain, and, I had to make, I, we had to, had to maybe say, because I was having a very hard time getting up the mountain. I'm not so young. It's a very steep incline in the beginning. So, uh, the girls don't know. I started telling them, well, you know, this is poison ivy. Let's stop and look at this. And then I said, this is a snake hole. Let's take a look at this. Oh, you're not using acorn to whistle? And they're like, wow, we know so much about the forest. Meanwhile, I was just trying to catch my breath, right? <laughs> they, they didn't hop onto that till much later. But anyway, 
after the whole thing, we went up to the mountain and we had a barbecue on top and then we came back down. So there's a Beer Mountain Lake. There's a lake and it's around quarter after five. So the sun is beginning to go down. And um, I just told everyone they should just sit at the lake and the reflection of the, of the mountain and all the trees and everything is in the lake. You're looking at the lake and you see the whole... Ma- it's like... it's. And I said, you all realize, I don't have to give you a class on this, that no one, nothing in this world can create this beauty. We cannot, as human beings, we can't create a rock. But we definitely can't create this moment. And we can't create this beauty. It was, it was, you know, and I was just like, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Alekin, Hashem Listen, Yisrael, there's only one, there's only one that can do this. Baruch Shein Kavol Machus His Malchus, this world, should be gebenched, this whole Malchus, forever. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was a trip, Right? So, and, 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 and I, I think that everyone should go away for a day, go up there, and just, just be one with Hashem. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So, one of the interesting things, I spoke this week in Lakewood, but one, one of the interesting things that, that kids believe, and, and maybe some of us in this room believe, um, if you're really honest and, you, and you're straight out, um, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that God... If you ask somebody, like, what's what's more important to God? His Torah and his mitzvahs, or me? What do I really feel inside myself? Like, what, does God really care about me? Or does he care about the length of my skirt? And that I keep Shabbos, and that I eat kosher, and I don't talk about Shonhara? Like, like, what's really important to him? Me, or his rules? Now, of course, any kid that's off the derech feels... He doesn't care about me at all, right? Look at look, look what's going on in my life. He just cares about his Torah and mitzvahs. And, and one of the biggest things that happen between kids and parents when they go off to Derek is they really feel that my mother doesn't really care. She just cares that I'm embarrassing the, 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 the family. She just cares that I keep Shabbos. She just cares that I look like a Beis Yaakov girl. But really, she couldn't care less about me. She doesn't care what happens to me. She just wants everyone to think that I fit into, you know, to everybody else. And that's one of their biggest tightness. And I was having this discussion with a bunch of girls, and they really feel that their parents really, it's more important, Yiddishkeit, and their Nesora is more important than them. And really, really, to God, it's more important that, you know, not who you are, but, you know, how big a tzaddikist that you are. Now, I'm not getting into any of your psyches, but if we really get honest with ourselves, once in a while we might feel that way. If we're really honest with ourselves, like, you don't really care about me, you just care that, you know, uh, I'm a Tadekistan. So, there's a very, there's one very smart girl, there's a lot of smart girls, there's one very smart girl, she knows how to learn and she also knows how to ask questions. And she says, I'll, I'll prove it to you, Rabbi Wallstein, that God doesn't care about me, he cares about his Torah more than me. <coughs> um, you can prove it, how can you prove it? So she says, there are certain Averos that a person does that you have Kares. Kares means, that you're cut off from Hashem. Kareis means to cut. You do this Avera, you're cut off from Hashem. So she said, if I'm more important than his mitzvahs, how could there be a mitzvah that cuts me off from him? Good question. In other words, if I, if the mitzvah is important, and I understand, but how could there be such a thing that I could do if he's my father, and I'm the most important thing? How could there be something I do? He says, if you do this, you're cut off forever. It's Kareis. And they're all listening and they're like, okay, well, I'll like, what are you going to say? So I heard her 
and I, and I, and they understand the feeling because they're very real. And I understand that sometimes a person could feel like, you know, Hashem, you, you just, you just care about how from I am. You don't really care about what I'm going through. People can have that thought. Hashem's very real. And he knows that, he knows how we think. So, I said to her the following, Baruch Hashem, Hashem sends me the answers pretty fast. And I said to her the following, I said, I will prove to you that you're 100% wrong. And I'll prove it here, everyone tonight, that she's 100% wrong. The halacha is, in 610 of the mitzvahs in the Torah, that if your life is in danger, you're allowed to break all 610 mitzvahs. In other words, Hashem gives you a locha to keep Shabbos. The locha is, if somebody's in danger, you can be machal Shabbos to save them. So if God's Torah was, Shabbos was more important than you, you wouldn't be able to be machal Shabbos to save them. So you have all these hot guys going all over the place, and hello, kid called there, stitches. Why are you allowed to, he's not going to die? No, because our luck is that if you, if, if you, if you get cut and there's metal, you could get, there could be poison and in the end could be an infection. So in the end of it, if you don't do the stitches and you don't close it up, the person could die. You'll have to be Michal Shabbos, get in your car, put on the sirens, get in an elevator, do whatever you have to do. So what is Hashem saying? Shabbos is important. You're much more important. And, the, and you might die, you'll have to be Michal Shabbos. Any mitzvah, chazer, somebody's dying of hunger, give him chazer. Not only give them chazer, is it not an avera, but it's a mitzvah to eat the chazer. Why? Because there's a mitzvah in the Torah that says v'chai behem. The mitzvah in the Torah is that you have to be, you have to be kept alive. I had this, this, Rabbi Gamaliel was telling me this to him, Kippur, because whatever, I take medicine, I was talking to him about, so he, he said that this man came to him who was a diabetic and has heart problems, whatever it is, and he said to him that, even though the doctor said you have to take your medicine on Yom Kippur, he's never missed Yom Kippur, he's never broke his fast, and the doctor said he's a diabetic and his sugar is going to go, ah, whatever, he has to take a little bit this and a little bit that and he has to drink water and he has to take that, right? So the doctor said for your heart, he said, Brother Gamaliel, I'm telling you that one day, not taking my medicine, I'm not going to die. So Gamaliel said, if the doctor said you have to take it, if you fast on your own kipper, you're oiver, you're doing an abeira, you're oiver v'chaibahem. Not you're, 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 you're tzaddik and look what I did. You're a Russia. You're doing an Aveira. And if you eat on Yom Kippur, because the doctor said that's going to keep you alive, every time you take a drink, you're Mekayim, the mitzvah in the Torah, the Chaim So what's one point to Hashem? Yom Kippur or you? You? So I said, now there are three mitzvahs that you, that you have to die for. If someone comes to you and says, commit adultery, I'm going to kill you, you have to be killed. If someone says, serve a, an idol, I'm going to kill you, you have to be killed. If somebody says, kill someone else, I'll kill you, those three have to be killed. But the halacha is, let's say, they put the gun to you and say, bow down to the idol, and you're like, I, I just can't die, I, I, I just can't handle being shot, and you bow down to the idol. The halacha is, you're not chayev. You're supposed to give up your life for it, but if you don't give up your life for it, because you panic, the moment, whatever it is, you're not over. So 613 bits in the Torah, Hashem says you can break every single one of them if you have to, to live. So I said to this girl, so where are you getting this in your head? There's no mitzvah in the Torah that Hashem say is more important than you. Not only that, but you can't do a tattoo, and you can't pull out your hair, and you can't self-mutilate. Why not? Because Hashem says that you are so precious, you're not allowed to cut yourself. 
And the guy, when someone died, used to pull out the hair, used to cut themselves. The chef says, you can't do that. Why not? It's my body. And the answer is, because I love you so much, and your body is so important, you're not allowed to hurt your body. So you're telling me that God doesn't care about you? And I'll go even a step further. If a person dies, and there's a body in the field, and a, and a, and a coin, Godol, is on his way to do that void on Yom Kippur, and it's called the Mace Mitzvah, there's a body laying in the field, and there's nobody to bury him but the coin Godol. He's walking, there's no one around, there's a body. Halacha is, he's not even alive. He's not a live Jew, it's a dead Jew. He has to be in the time of himself, he can't do that void on Yom Kippur. So not only is, our, is, is Hashem saying that you alive are more important than my Torah, Hashem is saying, you dead, sometimes, is more important than my Torah. There's a Mishnah in Yuma, there's a Mishnah in Yuma, Yuma is a Masechta, the Masechta about Yom Kippur, and I have to read you this Mishnah. And the Mishnah says a story. So you're walking in the street and you see a wall or, or, a, or a building collapse. Suffolk Husham, Suffolk Enosham. You're not sure if you saw a person in the building or you didn't see a person in the building. Suffolk Chai, Suffolk Mace. You're not sure if there was a person in the building, if the building collapsed and killed him. Maybe he's dead. Maybe he's alive. Suffolk Oivik Kachavim, Suffolk Yisrael. We're not sure if there's a guy in the building and maybe he's alive. We're not sure if he's an idol worshiper or he's a Jew. So what's the halacha? What do you do? Says the Mishnah Yuma, make Pachim a love as I go. You have to clear away and be Machalel Shabbos. You have to clear away all the rubble. Matsuhu Chai, if you see he's breathing, the Pachim Olaf continue being Machalel Shabbos. The mace, but if he's dead, then you have to wait till after Shabbos. So what is the, what is the Mishnah telling us over here? I said to this girl, Hashem doesn't, Hashem thinks that the Torah is more important, the Shabbos is more important than you. Listen to the case. It's a fake, suffix faker. It's a three, suffix here. Three things we're not sure of. Maybe, maybe there's a person in there. Maybe there's no one in there. Maybe we're gonna be Machal Shabbos. Take away all these bricks, be Machal Shabbos. No one's gonna be there. Maybe there'll be someone there. Maybe, if we finally get all the bricks off, and there is someone there, maybe he'll be alive, maybe he'll be dead. And maybe, even if he's alive and he's dead, maybe he's going to be Jewish, maybe he's going to be an idol worshiper. And the halacha is, you have three snakes over here, and Hashem says, you are more important than my Shabbos, even if we're not sure if you're there, we're not sure if you're alive, we're not sure if it's a Jew, it doesn't make a difference. There's a chance that in that building, there's a Jew that's alive, you all need to be Machal Shabbos. I said to Israel, where are you getting this from? Where's this coming into your head that, that, that to God, the time is more important than you. He says specifically the other way around in Halacha. And it goes even further. Listen to this Mishnah. The Mishnah says the following. Ubara, a pregnant woman, sheherichah machilin, that she smells food or drink, on Yom Kippur, right? Machilin oisa, they give her to eat, until her or until she comes back to her um, herself. Now, what he's saying over here is that because it may be dangerous to her, or her unborn child if she's denied this food. So the kid's not even alive yet. The kid's not even in this world yet. She's pregnant. And she says, oh my gosh, 
I just smelled something and I'm, I'm not feeling well. I need to eat that right now. You gotta get that meat to eat right now. So we try to talk her out of it, but if we can't, there's a danger that she might miscarry. So therefore she's allowed to eat on Yom Kippur. On the holiest day, we don't know for sure that she's gonna miscarry. We don't know what this child, if it's alive, right? We don't know what it is. But because she might miscarry, we're mechayev to give her to eat on Yom Kippur. I said to this girl, on Yom Kippur, the holy of holies? Hashem not saying too bad. Work it out. You gotta make it. No! She might have a miscarriage because she smoked something that she wants to eat. Now look, it is on Yom Kippur, give her to eat, not just a little bit, until she says, okay, I feel okay. I said to her, it's, it's nonsense. If you know anything about the Torah, what you're saying is nonsense. And a parent who it's more important to them than their child's life, they're making a mistake because the Torah is telling us, at the end of the day, the Torah is telling us, I had this with a girl that was not doing very well. And the only place that could help her was a rehab in Utah that's run by the Mormons. Now, we all know that the Mormons, one of their biggest things is to missionary Jews and make them Mormons. In fact, they missionary dead Jews. They go to graves of Jews that aren't alive and they try to missionary them. It's a whole thing. They believe, I think, a 100,000 or a million Jews, once you bring them into, into the Mormon religion, the Messiah is going to come. So they're missionaries. One. They don't know anything about it. They're in Utah. I was there for a long time. And they don't know anything about about Chazer and Treif and, and Yom Kippur and all this stuff. Anyway, to make a long story short, so I went to the grand rabbi that, of the chassidists that she belonged to, and I said to him, I, I, it may save her life physically, but she's going to be eating pig, and she's going to, they might missionary her, and she's going to be with non-Jewish girls, and the psychology, of course, is very against what, you know, Hasidus in the Torah, and I said, you know, um, what's better, a drunk Jew or a sober non-Jew? Like, she's going to come out sober, but she's going to be totally disconnected from Yiddishkeit, Eich Chazer, with Michal Shabbos, she's going to make non-Jewish friends, I'm like, how could I send her to such a place? How could I send her? So she's going to come out alive, yay. But she, she's going to be ripped. Her Judy's going to be ripped. Maybe she's better. Leave her, you know, okay, so. So she'll keep the mitzvahs, but she'll be high. Rebel looked at me like I was crazy. He said, of course she has to go to Utah. I said, but, but, what's going to happen to her? He said, that's not your business. As a Jew, life. You have to keep her alive. All the other stuff to Hashem, he wants his daughter alive. Missionaries, trafe, all this other stuff. When it comes that someone's life is in danger, you have to save that life. So God's Torah is telling all of us that the most important thing to Him is your life. And every single person, if they live and they understand that, then their life is very, very, very different. And and that was the point. So she came back and she said, "So what about kares?" So if Hashem feels that way, so how can he, how, what, what about Kares? He said, first of all, you can do tshuva. So it's not like you did something, you have Kares, you can't do tshuva. Hashem says, I'm waiting till the last second. I said, let me explain to you what Kares is. So you have this girl who's climbing the rock, she's climbing a mountain, she has this rope connected to a harness, right? And the guy above her is pulling and there's another one above her and they're climbing this mountain and she takes out a scissor and she cuts the rope. So, that, is that a punishment that now the rope is cut, she's gonna fall down the mountain? 
Is it the guy ahead of her's fault? Is it the guy who made the rope's fault? She cut the rope. So you, you can't be angry at the right But now, right, it's a consequence. It's not a punishment. It's very important. There's a very big difference between a punishment and a consequence. If you go to coach the light tonight at 12 o'clock and it's closed, because it closed, let's say, at 1 o'clock and it closed at 12 o'clock, you can't stand by the door and bang on it and say, why are you punishing me? If they're not punishing you, they don't even know you. Right? The consequence is if the store closes at 12 and you show up at 1, it's going to be closed. Not a punishment. A punishment would be if they say we're open till 11 and you walk in at 10 and they say, no, you can't come. That's a punishment. If a, if a, if a mother tells a child, be home at 11 and the child shows up at 11.05 and all the doors are locked, that's a punishment. If the mother says, at 11 o'clock I'm closing all the doors and you show up at 11.05, I'm not punishing you. You decided that you're going to come to closed doors. I told you it's going to be closed at 11. That's not a punishment. That's a consequence. The Torah has no punishment in it. Because Rocco tells us up front. He's not like, do an avera and see what happens. <laughs> that's not. That's not the way the Torah was given to us. Oh, one time you'll get stila, and one time I'll give you hereg, and one time you'll get chenek, and one time you get malchus. Ha! That's a punishment. So it tells you exactly. You do A, you get B. You do C, you get D. Tells you every single thing you ever love. There's Malchus. There's all these different things. You decide you want to do it. The consequence of standing in front of a car at 80 miles an hour is that you will not be standing for very long. You will be dead. Is the man driving the car punishing you? Does he even know you? Absolutely not. He doesn't even know who you are. But there's a thing called consequence. And you learn in Kabbalah that the fiber of the world, right? The way Hashem created the world, the physical fiber, right? Every action has a reaction. The first thing you learn in physics when you're a little kid. Every action has a reaction. You all have those eight little marble balls when you drop the one from here and it hits this one. The ball one goes from here and then you drop this one and it goes out. That's how you learn physics. Every action has a reaction. And the, 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 in Kabbalah we learn that in the spiritual world and the physical world, they mirror each other. So therefore, God created a physical world that every action has a reaction and God created a spiritual world that every action has a reaction. So there are certain things that cut that cord. And that's called karis. When a person does tshuva, he re- reunites, he, re- he puts that cord back together. Hashem doesn't cut the cord. Hashem doesn't give you karis. You cut the cord. And that's what I explained to her. Hashem's not, you're cut off. You are climbing the mountain and decided to take the scissors and cut the rope. The guy, the guy who's pulling you up, he's trying to pull you. You're not there anymore. So karis is a reaction. Karis is a consequence. Karis is not a punishment. So you can't be angry at Hashem. You did it. The house is closed at 11. You showed up at 11.30. Don't be angry at me. You should have been there at 11 o'clock. I told you up front that this was going to happen. I said, so So it's a reaction to the action that you did. But Akash Baruch who says, here's another rope. I love you so much that even though you cut the rope, we would say, good for her. <laughs> she cut the rope. What did she expect? Hashem says, no good for you. Here's another rope. Just do tshuva. Till the last second of a person's life, he throws that rope up and he says, just do tshuva. You don't have to do much more. Just do tshuva. Okay. I think you got my point. So, it was very interesting. Our generation is like, very interesting, to say the least. Um, so, we're, we're on our way home from Beer Mountains yesterday. And, so the girls that are sitting in my car, there's the girl sitting in the front seat in the passenger side, and she's got her earphones in, and she's listening to her rock and roll, whatever she's listening to. And, and I just came down from the mountain. I sort of needed a little bit quiet. And, um, but you, I could actually hear what she was listening to when her earphones were in her ears, like those little white things. It was so loud that I was driving and I heard the song. And then I started looking at her and she's like, what are you looking at? I said, wow. Like, like, you know, 
you're gonna blow your eardrums out. Like, wow. She goes, what? You can hear the words? You can, you can repeat the words? I'm like, no, but I could hear the, you know, what's going on. And she, she says, well, that's the loudest it goes. I'm like, that's, that's great. Okay, so we're driving for about an hour. I'm coming towards the city. And I'm like, you know what? Let me listen to, I, I need, now, now I'm ready to listen to some of my music. Right? It doesn't sound like any of her music. So I take out a CD and I put it in this, in the CD player. And I turn it on and I put it on a little loud because you're in a car, the window's open, we're going down to Palisades Parkway, you know, it's, it's a little bit noisy. I promise it's a true story. So I'm driving, maybe the music's on for four minutes, three minutes. She leans over, she doesn't ask me, she doesn't say anything. She leans over and turns it down. <laughs> promise. Emma Slamita. Emma Slamita. She leans over, she turns it down. I'm like, huh? She goes, it's too loud, I hear your music. It's too loud. True story. She didn't say, Ray Walston, could you turn it down? Ray Walston's bothering me. She just leaned over, didn't ask me anything, and she just turned it down, I mean, way down, right? So, I was having this discussion this past Monday night about Chinuch. I don't have time tonight to, to really get into this. But I'm, I'm a little bit on the other side. We spoke a little bit about it, about it last week. I'm a little bit on the other side of this whole psychology of of giving kids whatever they want and being nice and and never criticizing and just whatever you want. You want to come over at four o'clock? Come over at four o'clock. And I, I don't. I wasn't brought up that way. And and I I do not accept the statement that times are different. I will never accept that statement. Read Rabbi Miller's book on on the Holocaust. And from the beginning to end, you will see that the whole Hasco- the whole the whole maskilim, the whole movement, the whole reform movement was based on that the Torah, um, of, of the Torah was for then, but now it's different times and different Yitzharas. Trust me, Yitzhara of Avodizara, the Yitzhara of Avodizara in Moshe Rabbeinu's time and Avraham Avinu's time made internet and all this stuff that we have today look like tiddlywinks. Like playing crayons. You don't even understand. You, you, what, you want to understand what the Yitzhahara of, let me explain to you what the Yitzhahara of Avoidazara was. Yitzhahara of Avoidazara was so strong that you took your own child, you took your own child, and you threw him alive into the fire. And that's how you serve the Avoidazara. One Avoidazara. One you split your kid in half. All the way to the time, and you're gonna say, oh, it was a, if anyone here knows anything about history, that the Aztecs and the Incas, which is way after this, right, used to do human sacrifice. They used to have these huge mizbeach, they would take their children up, and they would sacrifice them on the fire alive. Now, as bad as, and I don't like Facebook, right, or Instagram, it's not taking your kid and throwing him alive, screaming into a fire. Okay? So... Don't tell me that the old days, right, our days are different. Those days were much worse. We don't even understand if the Chachamah wouldn't have killed everybody in this era. We don't even understand. It makes Facebook like children's play. They would laugh at it. Big deal, you're talking to a girl. They did crazy stuff. I'm not even get into in the Roman times what they did. The Averis and the adultery. and Forget about it. We're not even close to that. So also everybody's like, oh, we have Facebook, we have computers. They had Avoy Dezara, they, they, they defecated, they went and, 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 and defecated on the Avoy Dezara, and that's how they served them. 
And they got Kleisrov to do it. They got the Jewish nation to do it in Pasha's Balak. Give me a break. Don't make like our days are so, the days were much worse. So I think the most dangerous word you can say is, well, you have to understand it's different now. It's not different. The Torah was given forever. And everything that's going on in the world, you, I remember when I was learning, when I was growing up, and I'm not going to get into the Averis that I was learning on, 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 on the Arabas and all the stuff, and, and, and men and men, and all the stuff that was in the Torah when I was a kid, and I was learning this, I was like, wow, that was in the old days, right? Mishkav Zohar, that was like, ooh, that was in their times, in our times, who heard of it when I was growing up, right? No, now you found out that the Torah is telling you Mishkan Zohar is a Teheva. Well, New Jersey two days ago made it legal. So the Torah is very up to date. It's within two days that they made it legal. Torah is very up to date. There's nothing in there that's outdated. And I was talking to this group of women that are, that, that, that are going through, it was a, a group of women that, that are going through with kids that are, that are off the derrick. And I'm like, so you think you're alone in this and you think our times... Like kids go off the derech, it's like something new. I'm like, let me tell you something. There's nothing in the Torah that didn't happen. I'm very sorry, but Rifki Menu, right? Have you all beat? They're all sitting there. This was a, a, a support group for, for, for women whose kids went off the derech. And I'm like, I'm very sorry. She had you all beat. When did your kid go off the derech? 14, 16, 13, 12. That's about the youngest. 19. I'm like, she got you beat by a million miles. By Yisraeta Zubadim Bekirba. She went past a movie theater and her kid's trying to get out. I said, there's no mother in this room that your kid was off the death and you were pregnant. That you walked by an Apple store, right? And the kid was like, ooh, I, you know, let me get the iPhone 5, right? Kicking you when you go through the, right? Nobody, I said, Rifki Emanuel had a kid that was off the death before he was born. You think it didn't happen? You think never, nobody ever went through this in the Torah? Rich Grimano! I said, you're all blaming yourselves because the whole psychology world says the parents did something wrong. And they asked the kids, so what did your parents do to you? And like, parents are great. Oh, really? You're pushing it down. You need, you, you, you're not realizing it. You know, you, you have to talk about it a little bit more. You can't be like this if your parents were really nice. Something happened. Come on, what happened? Nothing. They're, they're great people. I love them. Okay, we got to hypnotize you. You buried it so deep. It's so far down there, you can't even find it. <laughs> no, but I'm telling you, well, then it must be your Rebbe. My Rebbe, they're great, but it must have been a principal. Uh, a kid must have been embarrassed. Something happened. It can't be that you have a Yitzhar. It's not in the book. Go through your, go through your book. Go, anyone who, who, anyone here with a major in psych, okay, go through your book, see if it says anything in there about the evil inclination. Boy, boy. You see, it says anything about the Yetzirah. Yetzirah? Yeah. It's got to be somebody's fool. Taiva, Yetzirah, Shemir Seinayev. It does say that. No, I don't know. I didn't read his book. Now, Maslow, Abba Maslow, I don't know. I, did, I didn't learn it, so I don't... Maybe, 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 maybe it does. Maybe. maybe it does. He calls it the Yetzirah? He says there's different inclinations of man's birth really? Okay, good. We, I have to read his book. Get me his not book. Bad, to read bad. it. Not bad? Not bad. He's a Jewish guy? Yeah, he's Jewish. Really? He was religious? Oh, I know Fred was Jewish. Jewish. I know that very well. Okay, anyway. Okay? Maslow. We'll, we'll check it out. Yeah, he writes about, he writes about the Yetzirah? He didn't mention the evil nation. He mentioned self-actualization. 
But you, 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 nothing about the evil guy that uh, would chava and and ate the dash or anything like that. Okay. Anyway, so so okay, but I, I I have never heard I've never heard a diagnosis. Oh, I've never heard so far any kid that came back with anything. I've heard a lot of diagnoses. This one girl told me that she was oppositional, something, something. I said I was definitely that all my as a kid. That's for sure, right? So she has. Everyone has a different diagnosis. No one has ever come back to me and said I went to the therapist and they came back with. Yetzirah. <laughs> Yetzirah. Right? Never. YH. New diagnosis. YH. Yetzirah. Right? Taiva. Right? Lost. Taiva. So we have all this stuff, but we don't, we don't, we don't recognize it. So one second. So all these women are beating themselves up because some rabbi wrote three weeks ago in the Ated. He wrote an article that kids go off to Derek because parents are not nice. And then all these women who are in the support group were very hurt. What do you mean I'm not nice? He wrote that because parents are not nice, and if the parents are nice, the teachers are not nice. People are not nice, and that's why kids are off the dirt. And I'm like, kids are not nice. She just turned my radio down. She didn't even ask me, right? Like, I was nice. I climbed the mountain, made her a barbecue, paid for the whole thing, drove her up and drove her down, and she's turning my music off, and you're telling me I'm not nice. And I turned around to her, and I said, I said, Turn off your turn off your headphones right now. And this girl, nobody ever told her anything because she's you're not allowed to. I said, turn it off right now. She goes, why? I said, turn it off right now. I said, now I'm going to tell you something. I said, I don't know who brought you up, and I don't know your family, and I don't know anything. But you just don't do that. You see, because it's called a cuffy toe. If I'm, it's my car, and I'm the driver. And I went through, I'm not your yard, I went through a whole day with you. I gave up a whole day to be with you, to climb a mountain. I've been on that mountain 50 times, 60 times. And you had a great day. And if I turn on my music and, and you don't care enough to even ask me, listen, Rabbi, you, you needed this loud, you know, okay, fine. To, to just turn it down without asking me, I said, you have no sensitivities whatsoever. You, you have, you're a cuffly tope. You have no appreciation. And I'm, and I'm telling you this not because I don't like you. I'm telling you this because you're not going to make a good Wife, if this is how you're going to act, if you are not going to appreciate when your husband is there for you, this is not going to be a good marriage. You're not going to have a good relationship. And guess what? You're not going to have friends for very long. Because I said, how could you do that without even asking me? So like one of the, one of the people that was sitting behind me was like, wow. Like, wow, how could you talk to her like that? Because, because I care about her. Why shouldn't I tell her the truth? It is wrong. This is, they're terrorists. What, you're, my, you're a terrorist? I have to be scared of you and say, okay, I'll turn it off if you want. You know, I'll put your CD in so we can all hear it. What are you doing? What are you teaching her? What are you teaching her? You have to tell her, right? So, so, so these, never, these, these parents were like, the rabbi said, we're not nice. I'm saying, so Rivka wasn't nice? She had an ace of. That rabbi's gonna get up in front of his whole, everybody and make an announcement? You know why Asa was off the Darach? Cause Rivka wasn't nice. This week's Parsha, we find out Rifko was very nice. <laughs> she was so nice that when Eliezer came, Godless, you want you want to know, you want to know about nice? Just so you look at you look in the Torah how how, how and, I, and I said this to this girl. I said it to her today. I said, you want to know what what you want to know about nice? Listen to this, Rifka Imenu, okay, who had a son that went off to Derech. So when he when when if you look at when, when Eliezer, this by the way is of course the week of Shiduchim, right? So don't forget to tell the guy that you'll give his camels to drink also. That's just a joke, it's a rabbi joke, it's okay till I find it. So listen to what, listen to what, what he said. He said that, um, 
I want it. Okay, this is what the Ebbet says. He got the Ebbet He takes ten camels, right? And he says, "Do me a favor." That I'm going to go to where the well is, where the girls are, are drawing water. Hanara, and when the when there will be a girl, Asha I'm going to say to her, Hatino Kadeh, you know, give me pour for me from your from your pitcher. The Esh and I want to drink, and she's going to say, Omar, listen carefully. She say, you drink the Gam Gmalecha Ashka, and I'm also going to give your camels to drink. He says, that's the girl for my master Yitzchak that's not what she said when she met him listen to what she said when she met him so she meets him and she was very beautiful she filled up her her cod with water her pitcher he ran to meet her and he said exactly what he said he was going to say Give me some water from your pitcher. Now, what did he say he was expecting her to answer? Um, yes, I'll give you and I'll give your camels. That's not what she said. But Taimer, she said, she say Adoni, drink my master. She didn't say anything about the camels. But Tamar, immediately she ran. She, she took the pitcher of water and she gave him to drink. Then, but the Chalash, when, she, when he finished drinking, I'll give also to your camels to drink. He said that the girl that says, I'll give you and your camels, that's the right girl. She didn't say, I'll give you and your camels. She said, I'll give you. She waited until he finished drinking, and then she said, I'll give your camels. Why didn't she say, I'll give you and your camels? So Chazal say, because that wouldn't have been derecheres. In the same sentence, to say, I'll give you and your camels are making you equal to the camels, to the animals. So she said, I'll give you to drink. She gave him to drink, you're a human being. I don't give you and my camels. That makes the two of you alike. She gave him to drink. He finished drinking, then she said, let me give it to your camels. That's how did Rifka was on how to talk to another person. On top of that, he said, she's going to have a problem. He wanted to see how smart she was. We all know the famous thing. She came to the water, and the water came up on its own. So everyone asked Akasha, if the water came up on its own, he right away knew this was the right shidduch. <laughs> where, where, where do you get a girl that the water comes up on its own? She must be a big tzadikista. So it's interesting. Eliezer said, a big tzadikista is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a balas chesed. So that the water comes up to her, that's very nice. But I need someone that might, Avram Avinu is chesed. Water coming up to you, that's not chesed. That means you're a very holy person. Right? Or maybe you're good at a sorcerer. I don't know who you are. But that, but what I'm looking for is someone that's gonna put the pitcher on their shoulder, carry it, give me the drink, give the animals a drink. That's Avramovino. Avramovino himself ran with, with, with his son, ran to Sarah. They all were involved when it came to the three Malachim. She said, I don't care about water coming up. They, yeah, okay. And it brings down that by everybody the water came up. By Mushabeno when he went, the water came up. By David Amelach, the Jews had this kayak. The special thing that when we went to a well, that the, that the water came up. But that didn't prove to Eliezer that she was a Malaz Chesed. So, so he wanted to see how smart she was. So she had a very big problem. What was the problem? 
once she gave him to drink, once she gave him to drink from the, and you should know this, you have to be very careful with this. I, I learned this from this, but I learned it the hard way. Once she gave him to drink from the pitcher, that water you can't give to another person. Because when someone drinks, there's, there's bacteria, there's germs, and you don't know if they're sick. This guy's coming in from the desert, right? So there's a problem. So what do you do with the water? So if she's going to pour out the water, you're insulting the person. You're saying there's something wrong with you. Right? So, so, she, so he said, what is she going to do after she gives me to drink from the water? Right? What is she going to do with the water? So he wanted to see how smart she was. So what did she do? When he finished drinking from the water, she said, by the way, let me give your camels. Because that's, she's not pouring out the water on the floor. The camels doesn't matter to them. If, they, if a human being who's sick drank from it, it was not going to hurt them. So he saw that not only was she nice, and that she didn't use the words, let me give you and the camels in the same sentence and, and make them the same. She was so careful how she spoke, she was also very smart. And she said, now after you finish, I'll give it to the camels. And that way, the water was never spilled out. So here you have Rivka Imenu, brought up in Lovan's house, brought up in the worst place in the world, a tzadikista, a tzadikista. She had the neshama, whatever, of Chava, whatever, I'm not going to go into the whole Gilgul thing. And, and she had a son that went off with Erech and Esau, and Esau wanted to kill his brother. So what are you going to say? She wasn't nice with the rabbi right in those days. Well, we have an Esau because she's not nice. Sometimes you do everything you're supposed to. There's things that are kosh with there's things in the world. You have to do your best and you have to daven and you need a lot of shat to There's nothing to talk about. But, but Abraham, you know how to use Shmuel, and a sorry, and, and, and a Rivka had these very to be careful, and Yaakov went through with Dina, and he went through with, with Yosef, and, and if you go through the whole Torah, life wasn't exactly perfect. But that's the Torah, that's, that's, that's our days, that's our time. And, and therefore you, you, you our, our time is the same as their time. And, and the, the reason I got into that whole discussion, it's really not gonna be my discussion tonight, I have to stay pretty clear of it. Well, that we, we need to respect every, we need to respect every single Jew. So if there's somebody who works and makes a living, when he learns Torah and he's kavei ito matayra, and he gets up in the morning, he goes to a daf yomi, and he, at night he learns and he goes to minyan and he does what he's supposed to do, you can't make him no good because he's not sitting a whole day and learning. Of course, if someone's sitting there a whole day and learning, and that's what his wife wants to do, and that's what he does, and they want, and they want to live the kailo life, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. It is the most beautiful thing in the world. There's nothing to talk about. But if someone can't do that and the person's working, you can't look down on Balabatin. They just started, just to give you a, a proof. Rabbi Reisman just started Thursday nights. They came up with a thing. In yeshivas, Thursday nights is Mishmar. So if any of you have brothers, you know that they learn very, 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 Thursday night specifically, they learn very, very, very late. And Friday morning, Shabbos is a little bit later. And Mishmar can go to two, three. It's the night that boys learn because you have Shabbos to rest right afterwards. So they decided they're going to try something in Flatbush. Rabbi Reisman, right on Avenue RS, wherever he is, decided Mishmar for men. For married men. People, married men who want to give up the Thursday night to sit and learn, Right? Even though they're going to work Friday mornings, not, not, they're not going to, they're not sleeping late. But men should also have the right that one night a week, if they want to stay up late and learn. So he called Mishmar, I think it's 10.30 to 11.30. So everyone's like, oh, come on, Mishmar for us. In Yeshiva, you have to do it. But now I'm married, I don't have to do this. So the first week they set up for 30 people. 150 people. 150 men, Thursday night, or Rabbi Reisman learning by Mishmar. You can't look down at people just because they go to work. So some people have to work, some people don't have to work. Moshe Rabbeinu was a shepherd. Dabra Melech was a shepherd. The Shvatim were shepherds. When Paro asked them, where are they? He said the shepherds, did they learn? Of course they did they learn. Were they holy? Of course they were holy. So so 
we can't as a Jewish nation start postling, start saying these people are no good, these people are good. Whatever a person does, as long as he does it as well as he can, and he's and he and he's an honest person, and he treats people correctly, and he learns Torah, it's kavei itama Torah. Then you're not allowed to talk bad about these people. Everyone has their zvulin and Yisachar and Yehuda, and everybody had different things to do. And we as Klaishro cannot apostle up people who and say that you know if you're not if you're not this, then you're you're no good, and you can't go out with a boy that's a that's a working boy. Find out why he's a working boy. Maybe he's working and he's learning. I mean, he has to be working and he's learning. And you can't just puzzle them all up. Some of them are very holy. Some of them are working, but they don't have benazmanim during those times. They're sitting and learning, and they go to the dafim and they do what they have to do. Check into the person. Don't just puzzle them because he's because he's working. Maybe he has to work. Maybe he's supporting his parents. Wow, wouldn't that be crazy if you found out I didn't go out with this guy because. He's not sitting in Shiva all day. And really the reason he's not sitting in Shiva all day because his parents have no money. And he decided, listen, I got to go out to work because I'm going to help my mother pay the rent and I'm going to help her buy, buy food for Shabbos. Wouldn't that be like amazing, totally crazy, unbelievable guy? So give him a chance. Find out about him. Don't right away say because he's a working boy. I don't want to know anything about it. Chas v'shalom. We're not allowed to apostle up anybody. The Torah is not, is the same Torah at that time. There were people who were the leaders of Israel who were working. There were people, Tanan, Sandler, that were, that were made sandals, that were writing tefillin, that were, the Chavetz Chaim had his wife work, and he worked a little bit in the store. And, and then there were many Gedolim that worked. So, again, it's, Torah is the, so somebody said to me, and I don't, I don't, I don't argue, I can't argue this point, and said that, but in our day and age, the workplace, the workplace, the workplace. In their day and age, the workplace, the workplace, the workplace also. But Lamai said, yes, if you could sit and learn after you get married for two years and three years and build up you with your wife, Kedusha, and go to Eretz Yisrael and be away from the movies and be away from everything and sit and learn and grow together, if you could afford that, you could do that, that's amazing. Because yes, you take a boy out of yeshiva and you dump, you throw him into the workplace and there's Gaisha secretaries and there's, 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 it's just a different world and there's bars and there's internet and they don't know what hit them. And a hundred percent. It's, and same thing with girls. They come out of seminary, you put them in a job in, 40, in, in Manhattan, and, and they don't know what hit them. And yes, the longer they're in Kedusha, the better. There's nothing to talk about. The longer a person's in Kedusha, the better. But when they, when they have to go out, they have to go out, they have to go out. But that's why they go to learn in the morning to keep them, to keep them Kaddish. But we're not allowed to just postle guys because they're working, or postle girls because they're working, or because someone didn't go to seminary and everything's stroll, so she must be not a good girl. Maybe the parents can't afford $25,000. So you know what? Don't say no to this girl. And I'm talking to the boys right now because she didn't go to seminary. Because maybe her parents don't have the $25,000 to send her to seminary. So she went to school so that she could be an OT so that you could sit and learn and she could support you. Wow! What an amazing girl! She became an OT because so, she mocks of Tyra. So she didn't go to seminary. No, I don't want to go out with the girl unless she went to seminary. You, you have, every person's an individual, and I hear this all the time. We, we make this label, oh, he's a working boy. No, no, Wallstein, I don't want to go out with him. I'm like, he's a tzaddik. This guy's a tzaddik. Nobody wants to go out with him because, because they learned in school that a working boy is a, is, I don't know what he is, some kind of monster. Right? He's a monster. We, 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 we teach him the monster. Meanwhile, the people who are teaching him that he's a monster, they have a father-in-law that's supporting them. They got five, 15 rooms in their house and three cars, and, 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 and they're saying that the working boy is a monster. The working boy is not a monster. Find out why he's working. Find out who, what he's doing. Don't, just right away. Just, just, the reason I'm talking about this is because I'm very upset because I have this great boy, whatever. And, and, and this girl's like, he's a working boy. There's nothing to talk about. My parents won't laugh. Oh, a working boy, Moshe Rabbeinu, was also a working boy. 
So when Amalek was a working boy, my Shabbat was a working boy, what are you doing? Okay, his father-in-law was Yisra, I don't know, you know, but he didn't really care that he was a working boy so much. But seriously, don't, don't just, don't, and the same thing with girls, don't passle a girl, because she didn't go to seminary, because she went to school, find out why she went to school. Maybe she went to school to support you, so you could go sit and learn. It's just, just something I'm talking about, I really didn't prepare to say this, but it's just, you know, I took my heart out, whatever, whatever agitates me, that's what I bring to the table. Okay, so I want to end, an amazing story, an amazing, an amazing, an amazing story. So, it was a very high price that Abraham Avinu paid for this small Samach Pela. But, actually, I want to tell you two short stories. But everything that Abraham Avinu did was Maisa Abba similar Banam. Whatever he did was to give us the strength, right? To give us the strength to do in our generation the same thing. So, he overpaid. Because he didn't know about Ephraim didn't know about the, the Ma'ar Samach Pela, and the Bnei Chay said, Avramavina was the most famous person. For you to bury your wife in our place would be the greatest honor. So they offered it to him for free. Right? A tzaddik is, says a little, does a lot. A Russia says a lot, does a little. So Ephraim, right, Avramavina said, let me give you a little bread, a little water. Right? He ended up giving them a big feast. That's a tzaddik. I'll just give you a little bit, he ends up getting a lot. Ephraim's like, free, come, take it, it's on you, it's on me, you can have it. And then Abraham said, no, I really want to pay for it, right? So instead of saying, okay, give me two dollars, he's like, give me a million dollars. So he took big and he, and he, and he, and he did, he did little. But Abraham Avinu overpaid. Ephraim was ripping him off. Abraham Avinu overpaid. He didn't know anything about Adam and Chavah. So, I want to tell you a crazy story. This is a sefer called the Harevna. Actually, written by Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein, who wrote Olim Shabaya. This just came out, this Sefer. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's really more of a halacha Sefer, but he has a story in him because it has to do with halacha. Listen to the story. Said, the story began in Poland more than 70 years ago. A young couple got married, they had a son. The mother was killed in the Holocaust. The father, to save the son, may believe he married a Gentile woman, right? So that the, the, the Nazis wouldn't know, because she was non-Jewish. But he ended up falling in love with her and he ended up having a child with her. So now this man had a, a child from a Jewish woman and now during the Holocaust he had a child from a non-Jewish woman. And then they got, the, the Holocaust was over, they went to America. So the, the Jewish boy grew up Jewish and of course the other boy was non-Jewish. One day the Jewish boy was religious, a real religious good boy. One day he received a letter from the, a court informing him that his father had died, right? And left behind an inheritance of 50, this is a true story, of 50 million dollars. Right? That's a nice little message, right? And he left in his will that it should be divided between his two sons. The Jewish boy, Jewish kid, and the Gentile, the non-Jewish kid. Okay. So the Jewish boy was, was, was religious. So he, the minute he heard that his father died, he ran away, he went to the house, where his father lived so that he could bury him because we're not allowed to leave, you know, a body and his father was Jewish. So when he got there, the non-Jewish son was there and he said, what are you doing here? He said, I came to bury my father in a Jewish grave, graveyard. And the Gentile said, nothing doing. My mother, you know, your mother died a long time ago. He lived with my mother much longer and he's going to be buried next to my mother in a Gentile, in a non-Jewish cemetery. So they began to have this big debate. And the Jewish, they, they sued each other for the right to bury 
he wanted to bury the, his father in a non-Jewish um, grave, and he was and he sued him to be able to bury him in a Jewish grave. So they went to court here in America right away because the father had died, and the judge ruled, "I can't cut your father in half and give each one of you half, so we're going to cremate him. You'll get half the ashes. You'll bury it in the Jewish cemetery." It's a true story. You'll get half the ashes. We'll bury it in the Jewish cemetery. And you'll get half the ashes and we'll bury it in the non-Jewish cemetery. So the non-Jewish son said, fine. That's fine, that's fair. The Jewish son said, no, you don't understand. That's even worse than burying him in the Gentile. You can't cremate him, right? So he went over to his half-brother, the non-Jewish guy, and from his father, and he said, I'll give you $50,000 from my part of the inheritance if you let me bury dad in the Jewish cemetery. So the non-Jewish guy saw, oh, it's worth money to you. He said, so if you're so, you want this so badly, you give me your half of the inheritance. $25 million. So this guy was like, whoa, it's important to bury my father, but $25 million is $25 million. So he came to Besden, and he came to Rabbi Zilberstein. And Rabbi Zilberstein said that the halacha is, this is the halacha, that if someone dies... And he leaves over inheritance. The first money of the inheritance has to be used to bury the person. In other words, if he didn't buy a burial plot and he doesn't have money, to, he didn't leave money to bury himself. So you have to take the, the, the money from the inheritance. The first thing before anybody gets the money from the inheritance, you have to use the money to to bury the person. He says, and since in order to bury your father in the Jewish cemetery. You have to use your 25 million. That's halacha. Halacha is that you have to use whatever portion from your inheritance that's needed to bury your father. And here, the other guy's saying that we need 25 million. You have to pay the 25 million. So this is what they told him. And he said, the son obeyed Rabbi Zilberson's ruling and gave his entire portion of his inheritance, 25 million dollars, to bury his father according to Jewish law. And Rav Zilberstein said, you know, the famous Gemara, that, you know, people come up and say to Hashem, I couldn't learn because I was so rich, I was so busy with my money. So the Gemara says that there was someone called Rav Eliezer ben Charshom, who was richer than anybody that ever lived, and he kept all the mitzvahs. So they're going to pull him out when the person says that and say, you were richer than him, and he ended up being a big tzaddik, you have no excuse. Then another person is going to say, well, listen, I was so poor, I couldn't learn Torah. So they're going to pull out Hillel, and we know Hillel didn't have money to even go into the yeshiva. He fell asleep on the on the top window in the snow. So he obligates the poor. And then another guy's going to come and say, what do you want from me, Hashem? All the girls were running after me. I'm, I was gorgeous. And they're going to bring out Yosef HaTzadik. And they're going to say, you were more gorgeous than him. And he was able to stay away from Potiphar. And Rav Silberstein said, and when somebody squabbles over inheritance, a family is squabbling, they want this and they want that. They're going to bring this boy, this side, they can say, you, you squabbling over inheritance? This guy was willing to give up 25, it's a true story, give up 25 million dollars that his father, who was married to a non-Jewish woman, was, should be buried in a Jewish. Where did he get the strength to give up that money? And the answer is, he got the strength for the Ramavino when he came to buy Sarah Imenu, the Marasamach Pela, he was willing to spend any amount of money, whatever it took, 
because he knew that was the place that she had to be buried. He knew that was where Gan Eden, that's where Tchias HaMason is going to start. So mice are always similar to him. If a person, and we'll leave the next story for next week, or if a person thinks that what you do in this world, what you sacrificed, is just you, you think you're doing it just for yourself, it's just your mitzvah, the answer is absolutely not. Your grandchild one day will have the same test that you had and will be able to pass it much easier than her friends, and she won't even, like, like how come I was able to do that none of my friends were? The answer is because she has a grandmother or a great-grandmother that did it 100 years ago, that did it 150 years ago, who put it into her spiritual a, a spiritual DNA, and my always similar to him. May we all be zaycha to Tchir HaMesim and Mashiach, which will start from... You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.